right, good morning, folks. What's cracking? It is Friday. We made it to the weekend. One more day left. Grind through it. Get there. Celebrate. Celebrate all of our hard work. It's great to see you. We got a great show lined up for you. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023. Welcome to episode 370 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, we are going to be shredding through the top cyber news stories of the day. Me, Paul Grizzoulis over on the West Coast, Marcus Sila, Medusa Double X with the Hacker Lead Speak name, making the live show. I see you, Age Tenchdale, Richard Dyer, Funky Monk. All of you are going to be shredding the top cyber news. John Bruno and all the members of the Simply Cyber community. We're going to have a good time. And if you are a practitioner, you're going to get value out of the show and understand how to operationalize what we're going to be talking about tactically, strategically, long-term, short-term. It matters. If you're looking to break in the industry, this show's for you too. Why, Jerry? Because we're going to be covering all the topics that you're going to need to know to be able to do the work anyways, and you're absolutely going to get asked in any job interview. How do you stay current in cybersecurity? It's like a boilerplate given... Um, question in any interview it's it's like it's like just short of like what's the cia triad i I digress a little bit but it trust me you'll get asked okay so before we get into it though i do want to shower some love on the stream sponsors those individuals who are helping me break free (laughs) and be able to deliver this content to you every single day without interruption starting with my good friend brandon pool over at panopsi security who by the way i want to say um as far as I know, uh, Panopsi Security has signed on pretty much like Barricade Cyber as an evergreen sponsor. This coming in just last night across the email. So uh, thank you very much, Brandon Poole and the entire team over at Panopsi Security to, to become an evergreen sponsor, effectively meaning, um, you know, they're, they're here for the long run. They believe in what our mission is here at Simply Cyber and they believe in all of us. So. With having said that, Panopsi Security's Quantified Risk Assessment Service offering is chef's kiss. They can come in and look at your people, process, technology, your threat landscape, the size of your business, what your current security posture is, and then they put it into a, a blender, like a ninja blender. They hit the top button a few times, grind it up, and then they pour out a smoothie that is a perfect quantified risk assessment to identify to you the statistical analysis of cyber incidents occurring on your network to your business to your people and they give you uh recommendations on how to cost effectively and with respect to time to implementation how to reduce those risks to statistical levels that are actually acceptable to you so when you talk about risk appetite a quantified risk assessment can actually enable a real risk appetite conversation instead of saying something like, ah, you know, the red orange part of the graph gives me tummy troubles. I'm looking more for the yellow green. Do you have anything in yellow green? Um, that's a heat map joke because <laughs> we do heat map jokes here. Also want to say shout out and love to put um, XM Cyber. Come on, XM Cyber. There you are. XM Cyber, y'all. Listen, organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across their cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. Efficiently reducing risk is an almost impossible task, day in, day out. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. Guys, the link's in the description below. You click on it, you download like a 30-page report full of statistics, full of evidence based on actual telemetry captured in the wild. 
it'll it's a great report it'll take you just a few minutes to download it and then you can consume it um and let me know in chat let me know if you have downloaded it. i'd love to get your thoughts on what you think about it <laughs> let me know what you think about it my tummy does spicy things Vsec. i like spicy Unfortunately, sometimes I make the idiotic mistake of eating spicy the day before I travel, which is so dumb. You are so dumb, Jerry. You are so dumb. <laughs> All right. Also, I want to say shout out and love to Barricade Cyber, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, just like today, is worth half a CPE. So be able to say what's up in chat. Say hashtag team live if you're live with us. We've got 135 of you beautiful people up in here. And uh, hopefully going to grow as the show continues on through the 45-minute slot. If you're watching on replay, what's up, Team Replay? I've been I've been up in my game with the Team Replay comments. Hopefully, you guys have been getting some feedback or some hearts or something um, as I, I as I scroll through them. Basically, uh, at the end of the day, I love engaging with the Team Replay folks. Hashtag Passive Observer. Oh, actually, hashtag Team Hybrid. If you got here late and you're double speeding through. Like, the comments are just flying by. You're like, why are they talking about spicy food? Hashtag Team Hybrid. Chinadu knows Team Hybrid. If you got here, um, if you're here on time, but you got to boogie out because you got a like a 9.30 meeting, 8.30 meeting, whatever, uh, half hour meeting. Team Hybrid. You 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 just consume it in, on your schedule, y'all. And then finally, my friends, hashtag Passive Observer. If you're shy, if you're introverted, if you've secretly been wanting to speak up in chat but didn't know what's up hey julian mark i got a comment for you um do hashtag passive observer step into the light of networking professional networking is so freaking valuable believe me the sooner you do it the sooner you're going to be happy that you did do it uh julian mark says dsu phd candidate julian that's awesome are you in the uh, cyber ops or cyber defense program let me know also um this is like for such a small 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 fraction of the simply cyber audience but I got my DSU Trojan Royale invitation in the mail last night. Uh, DSU really loves their, uh, the PhD alumni. Um, we have like a little group thing and uh, they're doing like an event again at Black Hat this year, um, which is wicked fun. So if you're a DSU alum, <laughs> if you're a PhD DSU alum, um, which there aren't many, but uh, go to the event, let me know and uh, we can high five. All right, guys, let's slide into it. I got a big, uh, I'm going down. We got the downtown aquarium field trip action today so uh today's gonna be a a, a high speed show so we're gonna get right into it sit back relax and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave i'll see you guys all at the mid-roll from the CISO series it's cybersecurity headlines it's friday may 19th 2023 Supreme Court shields Twitter from liability and leaves Section 230 untouched. The Supreme Court handed Silicon Valley a massive victory on Thursday as it protected online platforms from two lawsuits that legal experts had warned could have upended the Internet. The twin decisions preserve social media companies' ability to avoid lawsuits stemming from terrorist-related content. In Twitter versus Tomney, the Supreme Court ruled that Twitter will not have to face accusations that it aided and abetted terrorism when it hosted tweets created by the terror group ISIS. 
The Supreme Court also dismissed Gonzalez v. Google, sidestepping an invitation to narrow a key federal liability shield for websites known as Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Okay. Montana. All right, so I'm totally on board with this. Again, this is not a political show, so we don't try to get, um, you know, hot political content and, and you know, uh, very divisive conversations going in chat. But um, objectively talking about this, the, the Supreme Court is basically saying that social media platforms can't be held liable for uh, essentially like uh, weaponization or abuse-ish of the platforms for nefarious means, right? So I don't know all the details of the story, but seems like you know if you're like trying to groom and recruit young adults for isis using twitter um they're saying that twitter is not liable for that right J just the same way that i i think this may not be exactly apples to apples but the same way that like um you know smith and wesson isn't held liable for every bank robbery that was ever you know performed with with a smith and wesson weapon also this makes me think of um do you remember, I don't know if you guys are old enough, like you youngins may not know this, but us olds know this. Like in the uh, like late 90s, early 2000s, um, Grand Theft Auto 3 came out and people were like losing their minds that um, people were going to just start like committing grand larceny and mass like murder in the streets and stuff like that. And like video games had to go. Video games were ruining everybody. It, it like... It's same thing where like the Rockstar Games isn't liable for, you know, some jack wagon uh, like committing armed robbery or something like that. So anyways, anyways, again, this isn't a political show, but my, my point is um, this is interesting. And obviously, obviously, you know, I don't want ISIS grooming people on Twitter, but, you know, you they're not liable for it. But I do say that the Twitter platforms do have mechanisms in place to stifle content, to remove content, to block accounts, to ban accounts, right? So there are policies and, and um, processes in place in order to control the content and hope that it's a more enjoyable experience and promotes, you know, healthy discourse among the users of the platform and not, you know, uh, hate speech and stuff like that. Um, although it is interesting to note, again, this isn't a political show, but it's worth... It's worth digging into if you're interested in this. I'm not going to comment on it, but just it's worth digging into if you look at some of the released emails and papers <clears throat> that I think it, Elon released them about Twitter's leadership around around January 6th, around January 7th, around the decision to ban uh, President Trump's a Twitter account. Um, it's very interesting to see how you can have policies and procedures, but then the tone, the direction, the kind of governance culture of whoever the leadership is certainly takes a certain position. So I, I leave that as a homework assignment for, for you all if you're interested in digging into it. But very interesting um, to see. Governor bans TikTok. One month almost to the day that the bill was introduced, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed a bill on Wednesday banning TikTok in the state. This, he said, is to, quote, protect Montanans' personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party, end quote, officially making it the first state to ban the social media application. The bill, which will take effect in January, specifically names TikTok as its target, prohibiting the app from operating within state lines. 
The law also outlines potential fines of $10,000 per day for violators, including app stores found to host a social media application. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I do want to say, I'll share this with you. I, I saw Cody Kinsey, who was my guest last night on Simply Live or Live. Simply Cyber Live. Oh my God, my dog downstairs is like losing his mind. Um, oh my God, why am I typing? Oh, I might have to go downstairs. The dog is losing his mind. Oh my God. Um, look at, Cody put this one out. I don't know if you could see it, but it's like the Montana State and it's, it's like the South Carolina kind of don't tread on me, but it's like the TikTok logo instead of the snake. Kind of funny, kind of funny. All right, so... Um, Montana officially bans TikTok, right? So if you're a private citizen, which by the way, I really feel like this is kind of a political episode today. Sorry, y'all. I feel like Montana is very like libertarian, like, you know, like, don't bother me. This is like my space. And you just, you just, you know, you do you, I'll do me. For Montana to ban TikTok is really interesting because it's basically reaching in from a, uh, oversight government level and telling you no, um, individuals like if you're a 14 year old in montana guess what you don't get tiktok or it's a fine of 10 grand potentially a potential fine of 10 grand uh people are going to be able to sideload this onto android devices you're going to start getting uh dude this okay so a couple things tinfoil hat jerry time couple things i'm thinking of hold on my gosh tinfoil hat jerry doink 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 okay are there gonna there's gonna be like tiktok like um speakeasy parties right a bunch of 14 year olds are going over to do math homework and then they're gonna like go upstairs into the bedroom and then pull out like an android phone between the mattress right where we used to keep other things between the mattress and then like all right let's watch this tiktok thing and then like like you know the dad kicks in the door hold on i gotta you guys gotta see like hold on like hey like what's that like dad kicks in the door oh you can't see my leg i'm doing i'm doing like an air guitar like you know leg kick motion here dad kicks in the door what's going on here and then they're like what is this is this TikTok? right so that's what's going to happen police are going to pull people over for um speeding and then well maybe not speeding but you get arrested for whatever public intoxication or drunk driving or something and uh they take your phone and go through it to make sure it doesn't have TikTok on it or they add another uh crime to your thing uh, there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on in here. I wonder if people are going to be, um, I wonder if people, thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. I wonder if people are going to be, uh, rioting or protesting this. I don't know. Um, obviously you can get around with VPNs. It, it, it really, it really gets slippery, right? When you start banning apps, uh, I get why they're doing it, right? Uh, there's been much discussion around how China's just, pilfering data so i'm not i'm not opposed to this um it just seems heavy-handed right like you could just have a campaign it it'd be harder you'd have less success if you just did a mass information campaign around the danger of tiktok but straight up banning it is is much more effective i'm curious how um how apple's going to handle this right because if you live in north dakota you can access the um TikTok from the app store, but they're saying Montana saying that they will, they will find companies that host the TikTok app. So now what are you going to have to introduce like geolocation 
geolocationing. So like you drive across state lines and like it appears in your app store. Um, th like this is to me, this, 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 this ban, this law is it's easy to do, right? Like, okay, hey, no more chocolate cake, period. End of story. Chocolate cake is banned, period, right? But then, you know, like the, the devil's in the details, right? Like, okay, what about all the chocolate cake that's already in the stores? What about people who've already bought chocolate cake? What about people who are allergic to everything but chocolate cake, right? Like, I, I, I'm being playful with the chocolate cake thing, but my point is, I don't think Apple and Google Play and all these things are set up to be geolocation specific on what apps are allowed and not allowed in the store, right? So there's going to be all sorts of, I guarantee you, here's my tinfoil hat, final thing, and then I'll move on. There's going to be some Supreme Court thing where, um, maybe not Supreme Court, but like basically Apple's not going to block TikTok, right? It doesn't make any sense. They're, they're going to push it down probably to the end user. And then Apple's going to say like, we're a California-based company. Montana has no right to tell us wh what we can and cannot make available in our store that's completely legal. Ugh. All right. So this is the first state, though. Other states have talked about it. The U.S. government has blocked it from U.S. government devices. The noose is tightening. Millions of smartphones distributed worldwide with pre-installed Gorilla malware. A threat actor has control over millions of smartphones distributed worldwide thanks to a piece of malware that has been pre-installed on the devices, according to Trend Micro. The group behind the campaign was dubbed the Lemon Group, and the malware preloaded on devices is called Gorilla. That's G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A, like the soldier, not the primate. The company has since changed its name to Durian Cloud SMS, D-U-R-I-A-N. The group's main business involves analyzing big data to generate marketing opportunities for its clients, but this allows it to monitor customers that could be further infected with other apps to build on, said Trend Micro. An implant planted by Lemon Group loads a downloader that serves as what Trend Micro calls the main plugin, which in turn can fetch and run other plugins. Okay, um... I'm a little confused here. Okay, so first of all, Threat Actor Group, very sophisticated name, Lemon Group. Not to be confused with Flaming Donkey, that um, emerging Threat Actor Group that we're all well aware of. Christy knows what I'm talking about over there on the interstate. So this Lemon Group is getting baked in with Gorilla, like quote unquote Gorilla. They call it Gorilla. It could be called like Fubar or, you know, uh, whatever. And it's being baked in to Android devices by default. And then it's a full feature rich thing. So to me, this is a complete supply chain attack. Uh, very, very um, standard representation of what a supply chain attack is. This is exactly why um, NIST cybersecurity framework quickly changed from version 1.1 to 1.2 and actually added the supply chain category and fully flushed it out because this is a whole thing. This is also very uh, reminiscent of the super micro story that I told you about the other day with a hardware implant coming from the factories that was never proven true, but it was a big, big story at the time. My concern or my confusion as I was trying to like skim the story here is how are they getting it baked into the manufacturing process? Uh, it says they're not typically placed on the device by the OEM, which is the original uh, equipment manufacturer, but by third parties to which the OEM provides system image for adding features. Okay. So this, I mean, this literally is a straight up supply chain attack where um, you have your you have your base image, right? And then they give the image out so other people can kind of like hook into it. And that way, when you get your 
you know, main load, um, it's got, you know, McAfee security on it, or it's got, you know, this additional app or whatever. And they, dude, again, it's all about, you know, Kimberly knows what I'm talking about. Straight cash, homie. homie, right? It's all about straight cash, homie. If you can get baked into the original build, then every single unit that gets uh, pushed out, you're already in the hands of the consumer, right? Now, this is just for like normal business operations. The threat actors have figured out, which doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, the threat actors have figured out, well, if they can get their malware into the original build, then they don't have to compromise the individuals. They don't have to know what network it's on. They don't have to do anything. They just prepackage it and they're off and running. It probably costs them, like it costs money, right? So the threat actor group is well-funded because they're, they're definitely pretending to be a legit company. They're definitely working with the OEM to say, hey, we're providing whatever, like a VPN service, right? Like some, 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 you know, by default comes with the phone VPN service, and we'll give you $150,000 a year licensing so we can put it on the OEM build. And in addition to the VPN, they're putting their, their malware in there, which they're obviously making more than the $150,000. And that's a number I just arbitrarily made up. But my point is, you don't invest... Like nobody in their right mind, no country, no human, no business invests, you know, X amount of dollars to make less than X amount of dollars from the effort, right? It's just simple market economics, right? So whoever's doing this, this lemon group, they're getting, they're getting, you know, insider value from it. Probably from an espionage perspective, if I had to guess, um, you know, the phones go, uh, there's 40, 490,000 phones across 180 countries. That's quite, quite a few, uh, that's quite a footprint, right? Just th- like, guys, just think about it for a hot minute, right? If you were going to try to compromise 500,000 phones, a half a million phones, think of the level of effort and initiative and infrastructure and landing pages and backend C2 infrastructure and maintaining all of those uh, compromises, right? Think about how much work and effort and energy that is just just to get to half a million, let alone maintain half a million. This right here is a turnkey solution, right? It out the door it, and you're guaranteed to work, right? Now, uh, granted, the only thing that's a problem with this is you don't know who you're going to get, right? You can't control who's buying these phones. But dude, when you're selling when you're selling these Android phones, like these little disposable track phones or just kind of cheap um Android phones, it's, it's, it, you know, they could be everywhere. They could be anywhere. And, and, you know, once you get into them, I mean, you might be able to use them to jump on other networks. We saw Cody Kinsey's uh, brief last night, uh, how much information can be garnered from uh, cell phones and where they've been. So interesting. Congress looks to expand CISA's role to satellites. Oh, yeah. Give me some Jen Easterly. Where is she? The Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee on Wednesday advanced a bill that would require CISA to maintain a commercial public satellite system clearinghouse and create voluntary cybersecurity recommendations for the space sector. Additionally, the committee advanced legislation requiring CISA to create a pilot civilian cyber reserve program to respond to incidents. At the same time, the House Homeland Security Committee advanced legislation that would require CISA to work with the open source community to better secure open source. These moves represent the Biden administration's mission of managing security risks, although many Republicans in both the House and the Senate scoffed at giving CISA more responsibilities and authority. 
Okay, first of all, way to go, uh, CISA. All right, there's Jenny Easterly right there on uh, in the graphic. She just did hack the capital with um, Bryson Bort. Uh, some people I've heard, um, I heard just recently, think that CISA is some type of, um, you know, a kind of strong arm, some some like weaponization of the, you know, Department of Homeland Security and getting all up in public sector's business. Guys, here's the thing that it's not true. All right. CISA under Jenny Sully's, um leadership and stewardship has been going gangbusters to dramatically improve the public private sector relationship to raise the bar for public sector um, information security standards to educate and illuminate the um, risks and the opportunities that are available to the private sector. We're talking um, maintaining a regular list of known exploited vulnerabilities so you can better prioritize what you're doing, uh, opening up all sorts of dialogue, um, res not responsible disclosure, um, like open kind of bug bounty security research projects and making them cool. Um, be like being engaging with the community, right? Jen was at DEF CON. Jen goes to all the major conferences. Jen meets with, you know, um, like, you know, senior political leadership as well as, you know, normal, not normal, but like, you know, general practitioner people, right? So she, she's she got her finger on the pulse. I love what Jen's doing. Now they're talking about expanding um, the responsibility for satellite and open source communication. Guys, satellite, you got to remember, like, you know, she's, I think SIS is involved in hack the satellite program as well. But here's the thing. Satellite, there's a lot of private sector satellites floating around in space. It isn't just um, back in the day, satellite TV was a thing, but there's like cell companies, there is communication companies that Google, you know, I don't know. You tell me where Google Earth is getting its pictures from, right? I, I don't know if Google's got satellites, but there's a ton of satellites. Other countries have satellites. There's debris floating around up there. We got the International Space Station that has internet um, or network activity. We got things floating around on Mars that are susceptible to log4j, okay? So satellites is a real thing. And as we're moving more and more into outer space, frankly, I mean, we have private space industries. Um, someone's got to look at it. And then open source software, this gets into supply chain. We've seen multiple, multiple attacks on open source software. Um, it, given these two things, I would prioritize open source software. Here's my one pushback, or here's my two things. One, I hope CISA does uh, take on the responsibility of this. Even if they're not, for thank you, Starlink, exactly. Even if they're not formally charged with the responsibility of helping secure open source software, <clears throat> I hope CISA continues to push and drive change and drive uh, positive impact on securing open source software because they've been doing it. By the way, they they do no, uh, release advisories when major open source software repos, PyPy, uh, get compromised or are being weaponized by threat actors, right? So they do that public service. I hope they continue to do it. I find it egregious that lawmakers, lawmakers, elected officials are scoffing in in the words of this podcast are scoffing at at CIS's interested in wanting to expand its footprint and expand its power reach. Brosif 
This is not Game of Thrones. Jen Easterly is not Cersei sitting on a throne talking about how she's going to be like, you know, drinking fine wines from the Dorian region while she just like puts her feet up on a peasant's back. She's trying to improve everybody's situation, right? So it's not a power grab where like, oh, we're responsible for satellites and open source software now. And they're just like, she just like, you know, cackles all her way, her way to her walk-in closet. No. She's trying to do the right thing. And and if lawmakers are going to scoff at it, then explain to me, lawmakers, who's going to take it on? It's fine if you don't want CISA to do it, right? CISA, no, you can't have satellite and open source software. All right, lawmakers, who's responsible for it? You can't just say not you and then, you know, call a recess and go to lunch. Right? You, who? Who's going to do it then? You tell me. Chances are it's not you. Chances are you don't know who's going to do it. And this is a fine opportunity. I just hope that this isn't some type of politicized, weaponized, you know, um, and we're seeing this a little bit right now, but like basically like, no, CISA can't have it unless you do something for me, then CISA can have it. Like, like kind of, um, what's it called when you're like, you like hold something like, like extortion kind of like, like, I hope that's not happening with this. And I hope this is truly the lawmaker's actual perspective and not some type of ridiculous weaponization of allowing CISA to do what they would be good at. That's all I got to say about that. We, the, the jury's still out on Jen Easterly uh, being the Simply CyberCon keynote speaker. We got updates on that uh, later in the show. And now a word from our sponsor, Hunters. There is nothing worse than relying on a legacy SIM that your security team has outgrown, especially when it impacts your ability to detect real incidents. Hunter's SOC platform offers built-in, always up-to-date detection rules and automatic correlation that allow SOC analysts to focus on higher value tasks that impact your organization. It's time to move to a platform that reduces risk, complexity and cost for the SOC. Visit hunters.security to learn how you can move beyond SIM and let them know you heard about Hunters on the CISO series. All right. If you're new here, like Christy, we do this at the mid-roll every day. Taking it back like Spinal Tap. Listen, guys, thanks so much for being here. We're at the mid-roll. I hope you're getting value from the stream. Take a minute. Hit that like button if you would. It doesn't really help me. Uh, personally, like I don't, I don't really care about the stats of how many likes I got. What I do care about is by hitting the like button, you trigger the YouTube algorithm to notify other people that who have, who have been searching for cybersecurity content to find this live stream and become part of our community. We got some first timers in the audience. Like I said, I've been calling Christy out a couple times. If you're new, if you're new here, if you're a first timer, say what's up. Let us know that it's your first show. Let us know what you think. Hopefully you still you like it because you're still here. Shout out to the sponsors again. Thank you, Barricade Cyber. Thanks, Julian. Good to see you. Uh, thanks, uh, Penopsi and XM Cyber. Want to give you guys a little love to Barricade Cyber. If you're a squad member, hit that squad emote for Barricade Cyber, please. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping uh, business owners from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for those businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. They're going to need the pink stuff because they're going to have tummy troubles if they're um, getting completely uh, violated by a, a threat actor. If flaming, donking, if flaming Donkey is all the way up your tailpipe, 
You are having a bad day. But guess what? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see I've got their um, website on stream right now. Eric Taylor is the leader at um, Barricade Cyber and also a wonderful human being. You can get on his calendar. You can meet with him at 8.30 p.m. tonight. This man is a madman. He lives and breathes incident response. You can get on his calendar for 8.30 tonight. That's how hardcore he is. So take a minute. Think about what your business is uh, up to and uh, consider contacting Barricade Cyber. Guys, if you don't know about the newsletter, Julian doesn't know about the newsletter. Christy doesn't know about the newsletter. Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and sign up. Um, I'll be writing this newsletter on Sunday, so it's your last chance to sign up. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is your last chance to sign up before Monday's newsletter goes out. Uh, if you don't like it, unsubscribe. It's as simple as that. I, I write an email. I send it to you. It has actionable intel. Usually there's like a bonus thing in there that's super fun. I think last week was about uh, something Black Hills had released. Guys, my favorite part of the mid-roll, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tree Hugger currently has it, and she is tagging Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen, if you accept the challenge, I'd love for you to go on LinkedIn and post your cyber story. Use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge in that post. And I ask all of you, this is your task, all of you go onto LinkedIn, find the post, search for hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and here's the value. Connect with those people. Connect with Tree Hugger. Connect with Matthew Pelkey. Connect with Chris Hansen. Connect with everybody who's posted. Connect with people who are in the comments. This is a takeaway value gift for you. This isn't like a, a fidget spinner or some poppet. Literally, the takeaway for you from the stream every single day is to build your professional network. It's something that you can take with you indefinitely. It's something that will add value to you. Believe me. Don't be shy, get on this, build your professional network. Thank you so much, Chris Hansen, uh, for taking on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you so much, Christy, for signing up for the newsletter. All right, guys, every single Friday, it's my son Grayson's joke of the week, and Grayson never um, disappoints. So Grayson wants you to know what happened to the classroom what happened to the classroom when the teacher assigned more math homework? It's Friday, they shouldn't get any homework, but they got extra math homework. What did the class do? Well, I'll tell you what happened. The addition led to the division multiplying. All right, thank you so much for the joke of the week, Grayson. We appreciate it, and we'll see you back next Friday. All right, guys, let's slide back into the news. Critical flaws in Cisco's small business switches could allow remote attacks. Cisco has released updates to address a yeah. set of <laughs> Kenneth, I went to bed after the second overtime. Small business series switches that could be exploited by an unauthenticated remote attacker to run arbitrary code or cause a denial of service condition. Cisco said, quote, these vulnerabilities are due to improper validation of requests that are sent to the web interface. Four of the nine vulnerabilities are rated 9.8 out of 10 on the CVS oh, yeah. scoring system, making them critical in nature. A list of the affected devices is available in a link within the companion blog post to this episode at Cybersecurity Headlines. Okay, like, so officially, I, I think I'm going to have to, I, I, well, it doesn't make sense for me to get a shirt or something, but like, um, if you are like dressed if you were dressed to like, you know, to go to the club on a Friday night, you're looking good. If you wear makeup, your makeup's tight, your hair's looking sharp, you got gel in there, maybe you 
you sprayed some smell good on you. Like officially, you you're a nine point eight on the CVSS score. That's how hot you are. Like you're a nine eight. Like we see this nine eight all the time. If you're new here, um, the reason it doesn't say ten immediately is because they reserve that point two tenths. Um, for when it's actively being exploited in the wild. When you have a, a score of 10, that means your pants are on fire. Like literally, you need to get a fire extinguisher, put your pants put your pants out. Hold on, let me use the doggo, this is fine. But a 9.8 is like as high as it gets, the hottest it can get without it being actively exploited that we know about. So like, like you know, like this, I don't know if you guys remember in Living Color, again, I'm dating myself. So the olds here know what I'm talking about, but like, mm, 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 right? Damon Wayne's like, 9.8. All right. So here's the deal with this, guys. Uh, if you're a small business or you're a large business that's super cheap and you're using Cisco small business switches, specifically the 250, 350, 350X, 550X uh, series um, switches, and you should know about, you should know these. If you're uh, a small business, chances are your IT department is you. <laughs> If you're here and you're at a small business, you're the IT department and the InfoSec department. So you should know about this. Um, I didn't get into too much of the detail, but usually uh, 9.8 is wicked bad. Usually um, network devices are uh, can be internet facing, which is wicked um, concerning. And then the other thing I want to point out, and this is a fact, at least in my experience, is that um, we really focus heavily on endpoints and devices. Like when you do a network scan, yes, you're scanning uh, network devices as well, but end, it's mostly endpoints, right? And if it's a switch, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you scan uh, with a vulnerability scanner, for example, um, switches are layered too, so they don't even really show up. Um, so you've got to be mindful. Like networking devices very much, you set them up and they're in the server rack and then you don't really worry about it. Um, cause you got other things going on. So don't sleep on what your switch and network, your switch and router infrastructure looks like. Um, and, and cause you have to dude. at the end of the day, you're responsible for maintaining the entire tech stack. This is why having like best of breed and having like all sorts, like Aruba devices here and Fortinet devices over here and Cisco over here stinks because now you got to be smart in all of them. That's why you should have a more homogeneous uh, technology stack in your environment. Now, I get it if you're merging and acquiring businesses, that's different. But for the most part, don't just don't just like go to Amazon, sort by lowest price, and then hit buy now, right? You, you really should be thinking about what your tech stack is, what the knowledge base is of your your staff to be able to support and maintain that tech stack, how much system lifecycle costs, updates, a million other things around uh, business continuity and system lifecycle. But just know, if you're running these devices, you really should uh, investigate repairing, uh, patching them. Second of all, if you don't know what devices you're running, after the stream ends, I want you to go into the server closet, open the door, hopefully it's locked, open the door, and look at the switches and see what they are. That's it. I do love me some ubiquity. Many switches are layer three these days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. BSEC, I was on a good tear, though. Fancy! I was on a good tear. <laughs> Microsoft investigates slow Windows VPN speeds after May updates. Microsoft is investigating this major speed issue affecting L2P IPsec VPN connections after installing recent Windows 11 updates. 
According to reports from Windows users and administrators, the connection bandwidth issues were first caused by the optional April 2023 non-security update. Redmond rolled the same fixes and improvements bundled in the preview update into the mandatory cumulative update released during this month's patch Tuesday, causing the connection issues to be experienced by a larger number of Windows users. Additional user reports reveal that apparently this issue affects only Wi-Fi connections, with wired ones not impacted by the speed drop. Microsoft is looking into the problem. Alright. All right. <clears throat> so, chances are um, if this is an issue, you already know, okay? Um, yeah, so here's a couple things. One, this is for Microsoft 11. Two, it's only in this most recent patch that was an optional patch that got rolled into um, the mandatory patches. Three, it's only affecting a subset of individuals. Four, it looks like it's around the Windows VPN, which I don't even know who uses that. Of course, if I did a poll, 50% of you would use it somehow. So um, if if this is impacting users in your environment, you already know because end users, specifically Carl, like if, if network speeds are down, they immediately start complaining. They start rebooting. They start complaining that this text technology sucks. Call and help desk. Hey, make my computer work faster. Can't you fix this? Like what's wrong? I'm taking the rest of the day off. Ah. I'm important. You're ruining everything. I got to hit those Q2 numbers. I got <laughs> those rookie numbers. I got to get the big leagues. Like what, whatever it is. It's, it's so funny. Like anytime you introduce a performance impact, um, end users will let you know as soon as possible that they're having problems, right? Uh, and, and I would even argue that um, this is even a worse problem because It'd be one thing if like the network just stopped working because then you're just dead in the water. When it's trickling out at one megabyte down, one megabyte up, it's even more brutal because it's like teasing you that you do have some service and it makes it much more difficult to troubleshoot. Um, you know, basically all I would say is be aware of this. You might even want to share this with your help desk people if they're not on the call right now. If you don't share the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast with your help desk people, you may want to just forward this story over to the uh, supervisor over help desk and just say, hey, uh, this came across my feed this morning. This report, this see this news story is three days old though. So, I mean, chances are uh, help desk is already blown up with people doing this. Although some people don't apply the patches until a few days later, maybe they do it over the weekend. I would still, I would still send this to the supervisor over the um, help desk and just make them aware of it. Patients angered after Oklahoma Allergy Clinic blames cyber attack for shutdown. The Oklahoma Institute of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology posted a notice on its doors starting earlier this month saying it will be closing immediately due to a cybersecurity event, end quote. The clinic's operators did eventually speak to local news outlets to explain what happened. Dr. Amy Liebel-Darter told KFOR that the situation started in February when she and her husband downloaded an iPhone app that created issues with all of the clinic's technology, from phones to email and electronic medical records. Lack all right, hold on. Mod chat was blowing up about everybody being old, and I got distracted. Um, so, let's see. The office is permanently closed. Wow. Um, Hold on one second. Let me read this. I mean, so here's the deal. It, it is a healthcare in, uh, healthcare related facility. They deliver 
medicine to individuals with allergies, some with severe allergies, right, where you get a shot to control your allergies. Uh, this could lead to, if you don't get the shot, you know, maybe you get sick, maybe you have a tough time breathing, maybe you can't go out. Um, people are upset, obviously, like if I try to take, if my kid required medicine um, to live, and I went to the place that delivers the medicine and it just said permanently closed, I would also be angry and outraged. But uh, at the same time, you think that there's got to be some type of, um, you know, here's a here's a competitor. <laughs> like, here's another, like, you can Google this. This is another place where you can get these allergy shots. Um, one thing I don't understand is, like, I might have to add this to my uh, repository of healthcare facilities that are crippled uh, and closed because of a cyber attack. Usually they just say, hey, we are... Um, temporarily unavailable. We're working through an incident, yada, yada, yada. Like we'll be up as soon as possible. This one looks like it's just down. Um, and you can see, okay, so exactly. Uh, again, I don't see these stories prior to going live. So I'm, these are my, you know, immediate initial re reactions. And you could see here, as I suspected, Oklahoma Allergy and Asthma Clinic has stepped in to help patients who can't get their shots. So the individuals who are affected, the humans, um, are getting the medical treatment they need. So that kind of uh, mollifies that risk um, and impact. But the, 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 the allergy clinic is still hosed, right? Uh, FBI has been brought in. Darta did not call it ransomware, but the clinic was locked out of everything, even their Facebook page. Yeah, it's called, it's called ransomware. I mean, I, I don't know. It makes me wonder if this was some like ransomware as a service model, some affiliate detonated uh, but was a, a, you know, maybe it was Flaming Donkey, uh, who, who have been known to be very sophisticated, but occasionally they will um, detonate malware, but forget to put the, the full payload in it. So they just encrypt, but they don't have a uh, ransom note. I don't know. Anyways, this is interesting. It just goes to show you guys, healthcare is not immune. Hua Group shuts down three facilities after a targeted cyber attack. The French electronics manufacturer... Oh, all right. Hold on one second. Jazzy Jazz says the initial attack was through an app. It's unconfirmed, right? The, all they said, like they said, um, they noticed that they downloaded an app and things started acting weird after that. Um, Jazzy Jazz, I would be... Uh, I don't know. I'd have to get more information on that. Like, with all due respect, when an end user says, well, I downloaded an app, like, yeah, but you... That doesn't mean anything. You could have clicked on a fish. You could have, you could have, you could have done a million things, and you just think that you know it had to do with the app. It's not impossible that it had to do with the app, but it's unlikely. I don't know of any threat actors, TTPs, where they compromise you through a mobile device, and then and then move laterally. I suppose, I suppose they could get. Here's one way it could happen. I compromise your phone. I use some type of information stealer, which does exist for Android, uh, pulls out the information. I get your creds. You don't have multi-factor. I log into your environment. I l move laterally, dump your creds. You're reusing passwords all over the place because you got poor hygiene. You're not network segmented. I get to the crown jewels. I deposit ransomware. I detonate it. I forget the ransomware note and your business is screwed. That's how it could happen, uh, but that doesn't typically happen that way.
spelt L-A-C-R-O-I-X, that designs and manufactures electronic equipment for the automotive, aerospace, industrial and health sectors, shut down facilities in France, Germany and Tunisia in response to the cyber attack. Currently, no ransomware gang has claimed responsibility for this attack, but it does come just one week after Swiss multinational company ABB, a leading electrification and automation technology provider, was the victim of a Black Basta ransomware attack. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's the Black Basta. Yes, my friends, Black Basta's coming in hot, uh, knocking people out. Uh, LaCroix, electronic manufacturers, big, big time group, $770 million revenue in 2022. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, this is not to be uh, playfully humorous or anything. $700 million revenue is not that much, okay? And I know that sounds ridiculous, but $700 million is probably, if I had to guess, 1,500 employee business, um, you know, several facilities, but mostly manufacturing. Um, that's what I, if I had to guess. Let me, I'm just going to go LaCroix group um, staff headcount, I guess. I don't know how to, LaCroix company profile. Let's see. How many employees we got here? Oh, it's in French. How am I supposed to read that? <laughs> ah, I can't read French. All right. Well, whatever. I'm just, that's what I think. That's what I think. Okay. Um, two things here. One, if you do business with LaCroix, um, you know, you're not going to be doing business with them very soon. Uh, ransomware attacks. Guys, this is a fact from the um, report that was in yesterday's news that I started reading. I remember I told you I was going to print the report out because I like to print reports. The problem is it was 200 pages and I'm not going to do that to my, my little printer, my, the little printer that could, I'm not going to have it print 200 pages. Okay. So I was trying to consume it. Here is a fact. It remains true. It was true in 2020, true in 2021. And it's still true today. Manufacturing is the number one attacked industry for ransomware period full stop um for some reason like real estate is surging but let's just put that to the side manufacturing's number one w why uh well multiple reasons but think about it <clears throat> manufacturing's the most literal business where like the machine needs to be moving in order to produce widgets which is what they sell the second you brick the machine they're not producing product they're not selling anything. It's very, very obvious to business leadership that you're not making product anymore. When you attack something like, I don't know, what's another thing that got hit? Like, uh, like um, that's uh, the freaking uh, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer got hit the other day, the newspaper company, right? And they couldn't do layouts for the old newspapers and stuff like that. Like, okay, that's kind of like manufacturing a newspaper, but they have other motives and mechanisms to do stuff. Newspapers are kind of dying. So like leadership's like, wow, we're still pushing to social media. Reporters can still do their job. The machine doesn't stop moving, right? The engine that produces revenue. Great cash, homie. In manufacturing, that's not the case. I don't care if you're making a uh, trim line for weed whackers or you're making pennies or you're making, you know, shell casings for shotgun shells. When you're not producing them off the assembly line, you're not making money, right? Maybe you're making cars. So not, know this. If you work in manufacturing, you're absolutely in the crosshairs. 
Um, this company hopefully should be back up and running. Um, and it says it'll be back up in a few days. So good for them for having uh, decent uh, business continuity plans. Um, three sites are closed for the week. We, it doesn't say how they got involved. Black Basta is like out of control right now with they're going gangbusters, guys. You should definitely look at Black Basta's TTPs and make sure that you're protected from them. I don't typically tell you specific threat actors, Flaming Donkey. I don't typically say specific threat actors, but Black Basta literally has been gangbusters. Like they are, I don't know if they're going for like, um, you know, the crown for 2023, but they're, they're hardcore. Super Cyber Friday is back today. All right, so that's gonna do it for the stream. Let me throw up some, uh, some music. Do do do. All right, guys. If you were here just for the news, uh, I want to thank you all very much. Before you go, those who are just here for the news, I want to remind everybody we're having a update and transparency meeting for Simply CyberCon later today. I believe at 4:30 p.m. This is uh. This is basically just a recurring monthly meeting. We're having a Simply Cyber Cybersecurity Conference on November 8th, 2023. Uh, there are, you know, obviously I'm leading it, but there is a, an entire team behind it who are uh, have taken on the uh, responsibility of certain aspects. And every month or so, we hold a live stream with those uh, conference leaders to provide updates, transparencies, gather input from the community. This is a group community effort. Everybody will get value from it. The theme is inclusion. Uh, it's got cyberpunk vibes. We've got some big updates for you today. So please join us if you're interested uh, in speaking, if you're interested in volunteering, if you're interested in just being uh, more involved in the community, come attend this. Otherwise, keep an eye out for the, uh, for the uh, marketing messages. Allison Van Stone and uh, Kimberly, Kimberly McKnight, who, by the way, whoever raised Kimberly did a wonderful job because she is just a wonderful human being, well-adjusted. She's awesome. So uh, come come join Allison and Kimberly are going to be dropping marketing bombs uh, pretty soon now that we've got the website up and stuff like that. I also want to let everybody know that uh, I want to share this. Cody Kinsey was on my um, Simply Cyber Live last night. Cody is an amazing individual. He's got his own simply, um, his own simply cyber. He's got his own YouTube channel now. He's done Nullbyte. He's done Hack Five. Now he's doing his own. Uh, you have an opportunity to get on the ground floor with his channel. I've got it on stream right now. He just started making content again. Um, so it's Retia. Uh, I dropped a link in chat. It definitely deserves a sub. Cody is amazing. Um. Cody's amazing. So get on, get on early to this, um, to this, and you'll be happy. Um, here's another transparency note. This is not going to apply to many of you because many of you have already taken the GRC course. Um, so just so you guys know, the course has been $29.99 for a year, probably. Um, Teachable, the platform that I hosted on, is increase. They've been increasing fees, and I've just been eating it. Um, but I saw on social media, Heath Adams has uh, posted a transparency meeting. Uh, TCM Academy can't absorb those costs anymore, and they will be increasing the cost of the courses. My course is on TCM Academy as well as Simply Cyber School. Um, so 
the the fees are going to go up to coins coincide because it would be dumb to to raise it to like 50 bucks on TCM Academy and still have it for 30 on my my platform um, and me just continue to eat those additional costs. So if you want, there's still time to get it at 29.99. I'm actually just going to um, I'm just going to take guidance from Heath on what he adjusts his courses to. Um, I, I love TCM Academy's model. I think it's very, very fair and equitable to the community, as well as allowing the content creators to, you know, be compensated for their energy, effort, expertise. Uh, so I think it's good for everybody. So just just know that this is going to be happening. And I wanted to share it with you. Okay, it's not because I'm like. It's because um, Teachable has increased the fees for taking credit cards. Teachable has increased the fees for hosting the platform. In order, like, just so you guys, I don't know if you know this, but like, I pay twelve hundred and fifty bucks a year, so I can have the mo the the tier on Teachable to be able to issue certificate certificates of completion, right? So it's it's not unfortunately the infrastructure, the back end, the management, it's not free. Um, so just be mindful of that. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, you can boogie out here. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to spend one minute saying what's up because it is Friday, but I've got a, I got a uh, skedaddle uh, downstairs. Me and Mrs. Ozier got, got, a, got a plan. Uh, oh, and I've got an updated outro. I took your feedback yesterday to heart, and I updated the outro to be more more poppy. I got music underneath it. Uh, Dan Reardon, I did not see your blog post on LinkedIn yet. Should I pull it up? Let me look. Oh my God, what are we doing here? All right, hold on. We're looking at Dan Reardon. Um, starting points and advice for getting into cybersecurity. This, this one. Bye, Alicia. For a second, I thought that said bye, Felicia. Bye, Alicia, Jerry. Good to see you. All right, cool. Nice. Here, uh, if you're interested in Haircut Fish's blog, I bet you there's some great nuggets in here. I'll drop it in chat. Go check it out. Um, yeah, feedback was over the top, but we, we do all right. We do all right. All right, guys. Hopefully some of you attended the... Um... Thanks, Kathy Chambers. I appreciate that. And guys, Kathy Chambers is in chat. I want to let everybody know next uh, next week on um, on uh, the 20... Oh, crap. Hold on. <laughs> that was my personal calendar. Um... <laughs> Donkey. Um... I think it's the 25th, 24th. Uh, on the tw well, on the 24th, I'm moderating a panel on FTC safeguards and the future of cybersecurity. On the 25th at 2 p.m., on the 25th at 2 p.m., Sophie Goodwin and I are going to be hosting um, a Learning Hubs webinar. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I just well, I mean, whatever. If anything, you guys saw my um, you guys saw my calendar and saw how bananas it is for a hot minute there. Thursday, the 25th at 2 p.m. Thank you so much, Kathy. Uh, and yeah, just uh, connect with me. Um, you guys will see it. I'll pump it that day of. That's okay, Joel Belton. I'm all right. I'm okay. 
Uh, post the link for the webinar. Yeah, I will. Uh, K- Kathy, can you can you post that link, please? Um, I, I can't do it right now. Or can someone pull it? I can't get to it. Um, hold on one second. ACI Learning Hubs webinar. I don't know if it's going to come up. Hold on, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling. I can't pull it. I don't know. Oh, there it is. Boink. There we go. Look at this. Here, I'm going to drop this in chat. Thanks, Kathy. So, hey, guys, cybercrime is on the rise across the globe. So the demand for cyber analysts has never been higher. In this webinar, our experts, this guy with a thumb and a smile, and Sophie Goodwin will discuss the ways governments and businesses are reacting to the growing cyber threat and how it impacts the demand for pros in the roles. You'll also learn cyber analyst programs that can support training needs for individuals. You can see right there, there's my... My, my name and Sophie's name. So it's going to be all about good times. All right, guys, I got to get out of here. Thank you all so very much. Have a great weekend if you don't make it to the 430. Otherwise, I'll see you then. All the best. Be good. And check out the new outro. Later. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Come